Van is uh, obviously a great coach. You gotta do it with supreme focus, right? With razor sharp focus. Breathe what he's breathing. But he's a better, a better person. Biggest thing you gave me was time. You didn't really know me. We were from the same neighborhood and area, but I was with a group of guys that wanted to go to college, wanted to play ball. And you actually gave us that reality that, hey, this could actually happen because we saw somebody that was like us and that we wanted to become. Recruiting is about relationships. It's built on trust. It's built on doing the right things. And it's built on your head coaches and your athletic director, their vision. And I think we have two great leaders, both of those positions. So it makes it easy for me to go out and, and do what I do. Our next guest, Keith Gill, is the commissioner of the Sun Belt Conference. He's also a former athletic director and has a, had a long, productive career as a college sports administrator at the conference level. Keith, thanks for coming on. We're, we're excited to have you on. No. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Great to be here. So I really appreciate you having me. This podcast, man, has been quite an experience. You know, we've had an opportunity to, to share time with conference commissioners, with athletic directors, with college head coaches, and we've even had a former NFL head coach on. And so it, it's, been, it's been a great experience, but, but we're really excited to have you on. So let's, I, I researched and, and uh, you know, I was talking to Pat about it. You know, when we've had guests on, we researched their backgrounds and it's been, really interesting to uh to research your background and you know the first question i got for you when you were a football player at duke did you imagine ever that one day you would be the conference commissioner of an fbs conference was this something that you always wanted to do no you know i wish i could say it was you know I, to be honest with you when i was at duke i was just trying to graduate you know I'm trying to play <laughs> football and graduate that's keeping it kind of simple and um, so my senior year, when I was trying to figure out what I was going to do, um, I went to see my academic advisor and I was just kind of like, hey, what am I going to do? He asked me a series of questions. Do you like this? Do you like that? I just kind of answered him. And then he just said, well, why don't you do what I do? And I was like, well, what is it that you do? And that was really the first time that I realized there's this entire infrastructure that supported me as a football player and that I could earn a living. Um, trying to help other student athletes um, have a great experience like I did. And so he gave me an application to an internship, and it was an internship for women and people of color. So it was part of the NCAA enhancement opportunities, trying to find opportunities for people of color and women. I applied for that internship, and I got accepted. And that was really my first kind of start into um, college athletics as a, as a career. Wow. You know, I, and, and you, you made that point. It's funny, after practice the other night, I was talking to our players, and, uh, uh, you know, I just made the, the point to them that if you look around after practice, you know, you have the equipment uh, crew, they're cleaning up, you know, they're picking up pads, and then you have the medical crew. They are making sure some of the guys who might have had a nick or a bruise during the practice, you got those guys being taken care of. 
you got the strength and conditioning staff. They are, you know, around gathering guys up and they've been working throughout practice with maybe some of the injured guys and you got the nutrition team and they're directing guys, hey, make sure you yeah. hydrate. And, and, and so when you think about it, you made that point, the infrastructure that, that, that we as athletes, uh, me and you being former athletes, but those, those players don't realize there's a lot of people that carry a football team. And then when you talk about what you do on the conference level, there's a lot of people behind the scenes that make the game of football on the college level that make that work game after game, week after week. So I think that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I, I think that's exactly right. And I, and I just think that you think the only way you can continue in athletics is to keep playing. You right. know, and unfortunately for me, I was too slow. I wasn't explosive enough. So I wasn't going to the next level, right. but I got to stay involved in college athletics just by using my degree, using my mind and growing and developing. And I think that that's an important message for all student athletes to know, which is this is a great way to stay involved in athletics, which is, you know, getting, getting involved in college athletics as a career. Right. And I got a question about that just a minute, uh, a, a little bit later, but in your career, uh, in your professional career, have there been people who have been really instrumental in helping you to develop as an administrator? And, and what are a couple things that those people gave you that you still carry? Yeah, you know, I, I always, um, you know, uh, so Rochelle Collins was my first mentor. So when I was an intern, or my first mentor in my internship program. So um i get to the ncaa she's assigned to me as my mentor and uh, stan johnson actually oversaw the internship program was my boss and and rochelle was great you know she was kind of similar to my mom in that she loved me up but she also was really honest and and, and kind of straightforward and and and, um, and tough on me but in a good way and right. um and so the thing that i would say you know i, I think one of the great things about being an athlete is you learn to take constructive criticism your whole life you know i mean you know this as a coach you score a touchdown and your coach yeah, is still yeah. critiquing you right. about you know how you didn't step right here and you didn't keep your outside arm free here and you know and so you can't ever it, it, it's just you're always getting constructive criticisms and i think that's one of the great qualities that you learn being an athlete because it allows you to come into a work environment take the criticism apply it and get better. And that's where Rochelle was great with me. She was really honest with me. I was really raw. I was coming out of undergraduate. All the other kind of interns, most of the other ones had grad experience, had some work experience. So they were a little more polished than I was. And she really took the time to kind of be honest with me. You know, I'll give you, a, I'll tell you a little story is, um, so I was fortunate that I got hired full time at the NCA after my internship. So, you know, so I get the news that I got the job. I'm all excited. I run upstairs to see Rochelle. And, oh, my God, I got the job. I tell her. And um, she's excited. And then she was like, hey, congratulations. So now you need to upgrade your wardrobe. You know? <laughs> and so, you know, now, and she was right. You know what I mean? I mean, I was wearing intern clothes. And, you know, and you can kind of get away with it. But now I'm trying to move into another kind of um, aspect of my career. And she's like, hey, you got to step it up a bit. And, um, and, I, and I think we all need that person, you know, I mean, I think it's nice to have someone around you that's going to tell you that you're great and, and give you and love you up all the time because we all, you know, need, um, need that self-esteem boost. 
But the reality is those that are going to help us most are the ones that are going to be honest with us. They're going to give us the positive feedback when we've earned it. But when they notice something that we're doing that is substandard or that can be better, they're going to give us that feedback to continue to improve. And I feel like in my life, I've always had people to give me the honest truth. That's allowed me to take it in, grow and develop. Because I always say people don't do wrong on purpose. And so if someone doesn't tell, if they don't tell you that you're doing something wrong, you'll never know. And I've been lucky to have people to, um, to tell me that. And I've also been fortunate to be in a good place where I can receive it. It doesn't offend me. I apply it and I use it to get better. Oh, all great points. And, you know, always I've, I've had the opportunity, like I mentioned earlier, to, to be with some great leaders on this program. And it is always amazing to me when I hear the same things, right? When I hear the same mm -hmm. from different people, from different walks of life, but you hear the same thing. And my dad always told me that when you hear the same things from different people, it must be true, right? And you talked about the fact that, you know, as a, as a young growing coach, it's important that you look the part. And, and I always, you know, for me, I want to be a head coach. And, and I've, I've, I've heard many times it said that if people can't see you as a head coach, then you're not going to be the head coach. Right. If they can't look at you and see you as a head coach, then you're not, you're not ready to be a head coach. You're not ready to be a head coach until really, honestly, it's the way you carry yourself. Right. And so you carry yourself, you view yourself a certain way then you'll start to dress a certain way. You'll start to talk a certain way and you'll start to, it, 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 that's what happens. And, and you just mentioned that but we've heard it before. I've heard it before. Um, and, and I think it, it's very true. Yeah, I agree completely. So, so, so here you are, we, we spoke about the fact that you are the commissioner of the Sun Belt, but, but you are the first African-American FBS commissioner. And I know that for you, that's not a big, that's not why you are a conference commissioner, but right. has there had to have been challenges along the way to be an administrator, to rise to uh, the post of conference commissioner. What are, what in your mind were the challenges in in that role, in ascending to that place as an African-American man? Yeah, you know, so I, I think, you know, you kind of go back kind of to the beginning and it's just finding role models. And so I, I feel like right now, um, I, I feel like there's so many people of color in the business, not necessarily at the highest levels where they should be, but at least to the grassroots level coming up, there's a lot more than when I started. And so I, I just think, trying to walk around and, and see people who look like you to kind of inspire you to kind of do the job um, that you can do it. I, I think that that really matters, you know? And, 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 and so that's one of the reasons I think that, you know, us getting our numbers up, us really pushing, us making sure that great people like you get opportunities to be head coaches and we get more people in the AD, AD position because that, that, that kind of um, ability to, to see yourself and, and to kind of see people who look like you, I think really matter. And I think at least when I started, you know, that wasn't necessarily that prevalent. I think the great thing though, is there are a lot of programs. Like I said, I was part of the NCAA enhancement program. 
um, where it really was, you know, my intern class was all women and people of color. It was great, you know, I mean, that's what it was kind of for. And, um, you know, the laws now has been, you know, it, it's, it's different, um, but still, you know, that, that commitment was really there. I, you know, I, I do think that, um, you know, there's a lot of things that happen that you're not aware of. Like, I always feel like racism is one of the reasons it's so insidious is because it kind of, um, it's a multiplier. Because I think sometimes it hits you right in the face and we all see that, particularly as people of color. And then there's sometimes it's hitting you and you don't even know it. And, right. um, and so I certainly think about, you know, just kind of how society works, how things work. I think kind of overcoming some of the systemic issues. I think all of us as people of color, um, some of the things we see coming that we know we need to, um, to jump over, but there are other things that happen to us that, you know, we're just not even aware of, you know, that, you know, because of the color of our skin, you know, we don't have those opportunities as well um, either. And then, you know, I also think, you know, I always feel like there's a lot of pressure, um, you know, when you are the only person of color, because you're, you feel like you've got to speak to, you know, those issues. And, and, and sometimes that's not always the easiest thing to do. And I think we've all been there and, and all kind of, you know, kind of felt, you know, what those things are and trying to figure out, okay, when do I speak up and, and when don't I? And, and just, you know, sometimes feeling guilty because you didn't, you know, you didn't do what you think you were supposed to do from a responsibility standpoint. And then right. sometimes being nervous because you said a lot and you were straightforward, but you're like, oh, how's that going to be taken? You know, I just think it's a hard, um, yeah, it's, it's just a hard place to kind of be in kind of back and forth. And I think that, you know, I'm not unique in that regard. I mean, I, I think um, all of us people of color feel that. But I think every day when we get up, you know, and um, particularly when we're working in a predominantly um, white environment, you know, I think those are all things that we've got to think about and, and figure out how to navigate. And it can be exhausting. It just really can be exhausting. So that what you said, I, I was watching CNN a while back, you know, and and Don Lemon, he he stated exactly what you just said. He, he talked about the fact that that it's very exhausting to live in this place. You know, it's exhausting to live in this place because you know that that you are doing things the right way. And and on the one side, you understand the great pressure for you to be perfect. And on the other side, you understand that even though you are perfect, you still will be imperfect. And right. And so you continuously battle to be perfect. And, and you know that you can't stop the battle because everyone is depending on you to continue to fight. And, and, and it's like, he, man, it was, it was really amazing for that little three minute deal that he, he could tell was going through something. But, but he, he, he really said, man, it's, it's like a pit in your stomach just to live. You can't be mad about something that might happen because right. he's looking for you to be mad. You can't be yeah. out and you can't be too quiet. And so to just, it's like a balancing act every day. Um, <clears throat> and so, I, so that actually leads right into the next question that I had. So we've had um, conference commissioner Gloria Navarez from the WCC, the West mm -hmm. Coast Conference. And they have what they call the Russell Rule, which is a much more in-depth version of the, of the well-known Rooney Rule. 
and, and they put it in place to ensure a diverse pool of final candidates for every one of their athletic director, senior administrator, head coach, even full-time position coach positions. And so my question is, is does the Sun Belt have anything or plans for anything uh, to be in the works to help get more underrepresented candidates into this pool? Or do you leave it to the schools themselves to make sure that they're choosing these leadership positions from a broad group of candidates? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's a little bit of both in, in the sense of, you know, certainly as a league, we feel like we have responsibility, um, you know, to talk about these issues. It's really important. And, and so, so we, at our spring meeting, um, at our most recent spring meeting, we had a, um, um, essentially a, a summit. So it was mm -hmm. essentially a okay. inclusion summit, summit. One of the things we did is we did an in-depth review of all of our kind of people of color and women that are in positions in our department so that everyone can kind of see where they fit and um, and see where they need to do, you know, to do some work. I think in the Sun Belt, we're lucky. You know, we have um, a good number of men's basketball coaches, a good number of women's basketball coaches that are that are people of color. We've got some folks in our senior administrative position. I think if there's one place where we probably need to do a little better, we don't have any ADs of color, we don't have any women ADs, and we don't have any football coaches of color, head football coaches. And so mm -hmm. I feel like in the other kind of um, big positions on campus, we're doing pretty well. So pointing those things out, I think, is, um, is something really important. We talk about it regularly. So we have um, several institutions that have already signed the diversity pledge. And, um, and, and so we got several others that are kind of looking into it about to do that. And I certainly see that as a way for us to kind of always get to a Rooney Rule type of deal. It's the same really concept as um, what the West Coast Conference is doing and Glory has done and, um, and what the Rooney Rule is. So it is really important to us, really important to our institutions. And, um, and I feel like we're doing you know, a good job of, of highlighting um, kind of where we're doing well acknowledging where we can do better and um, and certainly trying to um, build kind of practices as it relates to hiring and identifying uh, people of color and women so that we can be diversified in areas where maybe we aren't, aren't doing quite as well as some others. So, so <clears throat> I, as a coach, I'm throughout my career, honestly, I've always been, I've always been led to, to grab on to younger coaches, you know, to, mm -hmm. to mentor younger coaches. And, and in some of the roles that I've had, you know, in the AFCA and, you know, with different organizations I've been a part of, I've always looked at, um, you know, the fact that we need more, because we talk about the fact that the numbers are not up in, in football, uh, in terms of leadership, in terms of people of color being in leadership positions. And, you know, the thing is, is that we need, and I'm not actually talking about on the FBS and the group of five level, I'm talking about even on the lower levels. We don't have coaches who are coaching on those levels. You can say, well, everybody wants to coach at Alabama. Everybody wants to coach at Kansas State. Everybody wants to coach. I'm talking about coaches of color. And so I think that there needs to be more programs, maybe even at the conference level, for grabbing student athletes and, and trying to get them, like you talked a minute ago, trying to get them into administration, trying to get them from come going and grabbing them from 
the athletic fields to be coaches, right? Grabbing them from the athletic fields to be uh, in the administrative areas, right? And so my question is, has is that something that you've thought about in terms of creating that those programs to mentor younger student at younger coaches student athletes to push them into those roles as GAs push them into those roles even those administrative roles yeah you know it's interesting so so when I worked at the NCA one of the things that I worked on a couple of things was one um, the NCA coaches academy so I worked with yeah. Michelle Collins to kind of get right. that started um, and then also um, both fellows program and the leadership institute and, um, and some of those those kinds of programs. And so I, I think they work. I think they're really effective. In the Sun Belt, you know, we've done a couple things. So one, we just started an internship program. So we have our first intern. Um, and um, and so and he's a person of color and um, from one of our Sun Belt schools. So, you know, so that is going to be, now that obviously is going to be a little smaller. It's not as big right. as if you can get 30, 40, 50, you know, right. coaches in that regard. Right. But we've been working with RISE, um, so the Ross Institute for um, Sports Equality, yes. and, um, and they've done some leadership development, some professional development that we've provided to our entire membership. Um, and, and some of that is about how you have difficult conversations around race. It's about right. um, student athlete development, and, um, and there's like a personal um, and professional development piece that is a, that is a part of that. Where once a quarter we do something for our entire membership, and um, and I think that's been kind of really well received and really part of our be the change program. Like when we did we did um we did twelve what we called racial equity workshops. So we conducted these workshops at each one of our schools. There's probably like sixty people generally on the school, and we just talked about issues. You know what you're facing, and then we kind of collected all the input from that to kind of develop a program that helped us um really kind of um, um just energize our kind of social justice movement and our racial equality movement and one of the things we heard is hey we need more professional development you know right now we we work so hard all we do is work and obviously that's one element of professional development but we need some 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 kind of more and so we, we've tried to do that so i think we are doing that i don't know that anyone is doing enough um you know i just think about my own career and just think about you know all the professional development I could get, I will take, you know, all the enhancement programs and, and opportunities to be introduced. I thought one of the great things that we used to do at the Coach's Academy were to bring ADs and presidents together to, to kind of meet assistant coaches who wanted to be head coach, you know, because I do think those personal relationships matter and, um, and certainly can be helpful. And so I, I so yes, we're, we try to be intentional about it. But we certainly can can do better, and um, and, and certainly need to do um, better. You know, kind of to try to just put people in position to meet people who can help them be successful. And I know, uh, so I, I've had an opportunity to do uh, the coaches academy, and I've I've uh, as a matter of fact, I met Ed Stewart with the big oh, yeah. at at uh, at one of the coaches academies, and uh, Ed said something that was really powerful, and I'll never forget. Uh, he's talking to us young coaches and he said, I, I want to tell you something. I want to be straightforward with you. He said, I'm here and I'm speaking to you. He said, don't call me a year from now, six months from now, and tell me to recommend you for a job because I spoke to you at this uh, academy. And uh, he said, the way you 
want me, if you want me to recommend you, you have to have a relationship with me. Right. And uh, when he said that, I said, you know what, that I've never heard anyone say that. And from that day, Ed and I would always communicate. And that okay. was, and that was that was many years ago. And uh, he said, you need to find something. You need to find something about me that would cause you and I to have a relationship. And Ed likes reading. He reads leadership books. So every so often for many years, Ed and I, I sent him a text. I sent him an email. Hey, Ed, check this book out. And, and he'll respond, yeah, I read that already, and you check this book out. <laughs> so we've been, we've been, and I'm, a, I'm an audio book guy. Okay. Um, and we, so we've been book partners for a long time. And I, and I always tell that story to younger coaches because, of course, coaches, I've, I get text messages from guys that say, hey, uh, looking for a job, I need you to recommend me. Right. And I think to myself, well, I really don't, I really don't know that guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what this biz, this business is not, not what you know. It's not who you know. It's who knows you. Right. And so uh, at, at the end of the day, uh, that information, that advice uh, has, has continually shown to grow. Like you talked about being at these academies. It's always important to, to plant a seed, you know, right. but then foster grow the relationship over the course of time. So, so here at Kansas State, man, I, I am really fortunate to be on the team with our athletic director, Gene Taylor, and, his, and the deputy athletic director, Jill Shields, and then our head coach, Chris Kleiman. They, they do a great job, in my opinion, of what it means to be great leaders. Uh, I've, I've worked with a lot of uh, coaches and athletic directors along the way, uh, but I, I really say that these people are great leaders. If we talk to your staff, mm -hmm. would they describe the way you lead day to day? Well, that's a great question. You know, I, I think they would say that, you know, I'm pretty direct and straightforward. So, I mean, I'm really um, super transparent. And, I, yeah, I say what's on my mind, and, and that's sometimes to my detriment. But I think generally it's, it's positive because people generally know where I come from. Um, pretty unflappable, you know, I don't really get too excited. Um, I think they would say that I'm fair, trustworthy, um, integrity, honest. Um, you know, I try to make things lighthearted when I can. I mean, I'm pretty intense, you know, so um, so like I've got a little bit of an intensity there, but um, but we have a lot of fun and I think I'm flexible. And um, and, and, and I, think, I, I think I encourage their, their involvement, you know, I think they're, I think it's collaborative leadership. Um, I, I recognize that um, I don't need to have all the answers. I just need to facilitate a conversation get the answers. And um, we have a great staff, and they're really smart, and I, I feel like they're empowered to kind of do the things in their area. So if I, if I sum it all up, I would think it's um, pretty direct. It's, I think it's fun. I think we have a really good, positive culture. I think it's work hard, play hard. And, and I think for the most part, people, people enjoy it. Um, right. Most days, you know, like anything yeah, well, else, well, sometimes it, it gets hard. Hey, man, every day is not going to be the 4th of July. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes you got to uh, eat the spinach. Right, know? right, right. And you talked about this a second ago, but the Sun Belt created the Be the Change initiative. And uh, that includes educational webinars, visits to, you know, uh, 
Sunbelt Civil Rights Trail, the sites along the way, uh, and emblems to remind everyone that uh, they have the ability to make a difference. And that's actually something that I always say. I, I say, if you want to see the change, you be the change. Right, yes. And so, so I, I kind of feel like this is the same, um, same situation here. The conference has also decided to take the day off from athletics on election day. You know, I think that's, that's something important. What led to the creation of this program, this initiative? And are there any other things that, that are happening around this initiative that you'd like to share? Yeah, you know, so when, um, you know, George Floyd, Bob Arbery, Breonna Taylor, you know, right around, you know, obviously those unfortunate deaths back in the spring, um, you know, we just wanted to, you know, people were making statements and, and, and those things. And we wanted to just make sure that we were trying to build something around action. You know, we right. wanted to engage our communities in a way. So we came up with three pillars, um, you know, education and particularly around like American history and the struggle for civil rights. You know, because just I feel like, you know, one of the things that makes it hard in this country to, to get where we need to be on race is we're not honest and we don't teach our history in the right way. And so I think if we taught our history in the right way, I think people would understand it. I mean, I'm always, when I always hear people say, hey, there's no systemic racism, how can there be systemic racism? To me, that means that's someone that doesn't understand their history. Because I think if you know history, you'll know that, you know, the, you know, the 14th Amendment, so, you know, so black people are enslaved, you know, 13th Amendment, you know, they, they finally abolished the slavery, 14th Amendment, equal protection, but yet they're, you know, they're totally put in this caste system, you know, and, 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 and so, and then in 1896, the Supreme Court says, hey, separate but equal, that's fine under the equal protection law. And you're like, well, well how can that be? And so, right. and then not until Brown versus Board of Education. So it's been, the racism has actually been institutionalized. And if you understand history, you can see that. Now that's not to say anybody right now should feel guilty if you know i mean it but it really is to understand what the impact is so i think history is really important that's just one example i think obviously voting and kind of civic engagement and just hey if you if you don't like how things are then you need to vote and i get it it's one vote and there's 330 million americans so it doesn't seem like it matters it matters you know the difference between biden and trump and georgia was twelve thousand votes you know, so that, that, that's not very many when you have millions of votes cast. So everybody's votes matters and, and trying to engage our, our folks in that regard, and particularly so they understand local elections. I mean, I think everyone thinks all this stuff happens in the national space, which national piece is important, um, you know, particularly in, in today's world. However, the local piece is where you think about, you know, if you're upset about George Floyd, well, that's about Minneapolis politics. You know what I mean? That's not about so much national Washington right yeah that's about who's the mayor who's the police chief you know and, and and some of those things so that education is really important and then just the dialogue and the relationship between um you know student athletes and our communities and and the police you know I mean I'm not one who sits here and thinks you know the the, the defund the police movement I don't really understand right. I think police are really important um I, I know that if someone's going to break into my house I'm dialing 911 um, but I also understand that when I get pulled over, I get really nervous, you know, and, and so there are some there are some things that um, our community and police need to work on in terms of our relationship, in terms of our trust, in terms of our dialogue. And, and that's the third part of our pillar that we want to be a part of. Right. 
I think your point on honesty, uh, I think, you know, we, we all we all have to be honest about where we are. I think our community, uh, black and brown community, have to be honest about, you know, where we are, honest about certain. And I talked about to our to our players here about, um, you know, making sure that you are putting yourself in situations to be successful. We had um, um, long, hard discussions about different things. If, if you're stopped by a police officer, if you're doing the right things and he's doing his job, let's remain calm. There's no need to ask, why you stopped me? Why'd you pull me over? Let him, he'll explain it at some point. And exactly. remain calm. And, and if you do that, then we can get out of this situation. Just like you said, I've been pulled over. Uh, and, and listen, I know I'm not doing anything wrong. So, so right. I start right there. That's going to be my first starting point. And I know that from that moment on, I'm not going to do anything to escalate. Now, right. we, you know, you can say citizens shouldn't escalate, but I would say that the police officer is trained to de-escalate, right? Yeah. So I'm not going to give him anything that he has to use his training to de-escalate, right? right. So just educating our players you know, on that point, because a lot of times when players are pulled over, you know, it's after a party and it's after, mm -hmm. you know, the adrenaline is flowing. And so, yeah, exactly. Flowing. So we have to be responsible enough to sometimes maybe we de-escalate, we de-escalate mm -hmm. ourselves and, 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 and do everything we can to, um, you know, just, just engage right engage in a positive way with police officers and and so just like you said i think the dialogue the honest dialogue is important on both sides of the equation when right. we talk about uh what is racism systematic is it embedded in 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 our society it is but that does not mean that all people who live today are bad you know right exactly and so, but but we have to have the dialogue to find the solution. We have mm -hmm. to be honest. We have to again remain remain calm, right? There's not an indictment against any person. I think the indictment comes when we can't sit down and dialogue. The right. indictment comes when when people are not committed to to being better. And you you talked about a point a little bit later uh, earlier. Um, and, and, you know, when we talk about opportunities, I believe that diversity, there's strength in diversity, mm -hmm. right? When, when, when I only, which has been kind of the norm, uh, when you talk about hiring, when I only see this way to do it, uh, I want to hire my buddy. I know my buddy. That's all I know. This is the way we do it. And we're going to ride down. I think, I think you lose something. Right, I think you lose something when in an organization because the organization is filled with all kinds of people. You talk about a football team; it's filled with all kinds of student athletes from all kinds of different places, from all walks of life. But you only have one set of people operating with this diverse group of players, and I, I think that you know you lose a lot there. Well. Let's move on and let's talk about 2020, right? 
2020, uh, and uh, you know, we we talk about it here on our staff, and and sometimes we just say, "Whoo, 2020, you yeah. know, can, can we get it over with?" But there's a lot that we really have we've learned in 2020. Some of our coaches couldn't turn a computer on, right? <laughs> in 2019, now right. they know how to operate Zooms, they know how to share screens, they know how to. Uh, uh, do all kinds of things on the computer using technology. But with, with COVID, with the social justice issues, initiatives, and, and the other challenges your conference has had to face, how would you say 2020 has made you a better leader? You know, I think it's made me a better leader in the sense of, I, I think I'm more patient. Um, you know, I think, um, more deliberate and thoughtful, um, probably more collaborative. I would have said it was collaborative before, but the way that, you know, it's interesting. So, you know, our ADs, we met, um, we met once a month before COVID. Well, we, we, we talk twice a week now, you know, you know, regularly. And um, same with our CEOs, meet more with them, we meet more with our SWAs. And um, that's actually all been positive and good. You know, we engage our coaches more. Part of it, it just started because COVID, um, there was just this level of anxiety because people just didn't know. Right. So we're like, all right, well, let's just sit with our coaches. You know, we sat with our football coaches once a month and, and we might not have known anything different than we did the last month, but we at least told right. them, hey, this right. is what we know now. And um, and so, and I, was, I think all that helped us. You know, we were one of the few conferences that played all our sports. You know, we've already had five championships for the fall. We did volleyball men's and women's soccer, men's and women's cross country. Our football championship is a week from Saturday. So we will have run all of our fall sports, um, you know, kind of on schedule and really only one of four conferences do that, Big 12, um, SEC, and the ACC, uh, along with the Sun Belt. And so and I think that that's all because, you know, we took a really kind of slow and deliberate approach to kind of figuring out and understanding the virus. You know, one of the rules we made early was, Hey, we're not going to make any decision until we have to, you know, because, you know, you just learn things fast and furiously and, you know, you start making decisions too early and you, you, you make mistakes, you know? Yes. So let's try to get all the information we can before we make a decision. You know, that was important. We try to talk to as many people as we can, get all the types of perspective. Um, my commissioner colleagues talked regularly and got information from them. So, um, you know, it was hard, um, and, 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 and I don't wish 2020 on anyone, you know, there's way too much loss of life, way too many people sick with this virus, and, and way people, too many people losing their job, losing their health, and, um, and, and so that's, 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 um, that's just been awful, but, but I do think there's some things, you know, it'll be interesting to see, I mentioned your thoughts, um, I guess I shouldn't be asking you questions, it's your podcast, no, 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 no. just recruiting, you know, I mean, like, you know, we've done some things in recruiting, which, um, you know, it's like, hey, maybe some of these things can stick and things will be easier and you can be home more. And and um, not all of them. I mean, you got to get out in front and see some kids sometimes, but maybe not as much as more. Maybe there's some technology that we can do. So I think there'll be some things that stick to make our jobs, make our lives easier, make our jobs a little more efficient. Well, I think, you know, on that point, there, there are, because actually as you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, I've had this thought before. That you know, we always feel we gotta go somewhere and we gotta meet somewhere. You know, now uh, coaches, we love going to the coaches' convention because you know you get an opportunity to fellowship, get a ch chance to 
reconnect with with mm -hmm. our people you work with from years past but uh in terms of teaching you know in terms of using technology to teach your players in terms of giving them information in a different sort of way i think we've grown as as a coaching community we've grown in that way i think you know recruiting is about relationships and uh it's very difficult to 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 garner a relationship to grow to foster a relationship on a screen because you don't know mm -hmm. you know outside that window but when, when you have an opportunity to sit down with people look them in the eye and 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 breathe the same well kind of kind of scary to breathe the same air and breathe nowadays but uh but but to be able to do that i think that's what recruiting is, is really built on and so if there's if there's one thing that's that's really been tough is that because you know here at kansas state we had a young man who made a decision and we continually have him but we had a young man who was a grad transfer and he made his decision to come here and to finish his final year you know and he'd never been here he'd never been to kansas he'd never seen the campus he never he just had to get on a plane and he had to come here that man that was scary but fortunately he had great trust in in our staff great trust in the things that we were telling him the things that we were showing him and and it worked out in a positive way but but i think that's you know I think you know it's very scary for young men and their families with the COVID protocols. Those our players from this class, they had to walk on the campus. They had to essentially quarantine in their dorms, right? Their parents had to leave them, leave their quarantine kids in the dorm, and so that part was really scary. And and so you know. I just know that moving forward into the future, it's, it's difficult to establish true relationships if you can't touch the people. You know, if you can't look them right. at, you can't be in, in the same environment with them. That's very difficult. So, so if there was a drawback, it was that. And if, if, if there was something that we really had that was a real challenge in recruiting, it was that. Uh, so I'm looking forward to us, us taking control of this virus and and you know and moving forward as a society because you know some of the things that we had to deal with um, uh, was i mean they were really challenging they were challenging mm -hmm. our student athletes um and, and i'm like i said again i'm glad that we're in a that, it, that the future looks bright that we're in a place to be able to move forward my final question and well no actually i have two I have to, I kind of want to, I want to rewind. I want to go back in your career. And I always ask this question, especially when we have athletic directors on, uh, people who can hire coaches. You're an athletic director. What, what are some things that, that make you know when you're hiring a coach? What are some things that make you know this is the right person? This is the right fit? for my program yeah so for me oh i'm sorry for me no, I, I just think it's really about um you know because if you're interviewing them you you already have a sense of kind of the x's and o's and the winning and, and and 
some of those things. And I, I just think, so I've always thought in my business, I had the most unbelievable experience as a student athlete. You know, I, I thought Duke, and we didn't win a lot of games when I was there playing football. You know, we just didn't have a ton of success. Um, but I, I just thought it was an incredible experience from an education standpoint, from a personal development standpoint. And so I've always said that if I can help another student get half as good as experience as I did, it will be incredible. And, um, and that's really what I want to see, you know, in folks that I hire, you know, coaches and those, are you really going to try to impact people's lives? You know, I always feel like, you know, our responsibility is to make sure, because I feel like everyone, they get a spark. The question is, when do they get it? And I feel like our goal is to make sure they get it while they're in college. Now, it might not be till they're a senior. We're trying to get it to them as a freshman, you know, but we all come in heads and it just takes us a little while. But we should be trying to make sure that people get the spark. And if they get the spark, they'll take advantage of all the things that are available in college and they'll really be ready to go, whether they're good enough to go to the next level athletically or they're going to go out and do something professionally with the degree and the things that they learn. And so, so that's what I'm really looking for. Someone who's really trying to do that because at the end of the day, that's how you're going to impact people. That's how you're going to make sure people are growing and developing and, and doing the things that they want to do or, or, or doing things they didn't even know they wanted to do. You know, they just figured it out and inspired them. And so that's the thing that I'm trying to get. I'm trying to talk through hear anecdotes about, you know, what did you do here? Did you implement a program here for either uh, life skills or, you know, when I was in America, we started this etiquette dinner that, um, that was great. And, and, and that, you know, so things like that, you know, what, what, how are you adding value to your students in a way that will either spark them to do great things or train them, develop them and, and, and help them grow? So it's funny you, you talk, you talk about this and, and I don't know, maybe I'm going to, tell my age just a little bit. I'll tell the age range. Uh, early on in this podcast, I had one of my former players who happens to be the head coach at Colorado Mesa University, Tremaine Jackson. Okay. And, you know, one of the things that Tremaine said that, that I was, I mean, made me feel real good as his, as his former coach. He said, coach, you know, what you did when I was in high school, when I coached him, he said, you gave me the hope and you gave me the inspiration that I could be like you, that I could one day influence right. people, that I could change lives like you did. And you always expressed to me that I could do that. And, and honestly, at that time in my life, I thought the spark you're talking about, I thought that they only had this spark in high school. That's what I thought. And so I said, I did not want to coach in college. Because those guys, nah, they, they don't have that spark. Only in high school. But then when this guy went off, Tremaine went off to college, and he would bring his teammates back, his college teammates, I thought, you know what? They're the, they're the same. You know that? Right, yeah. <laughs> and so I started to get opportunities to coach in college. And, and then I began to coach in college, and I, and I realized that, you know what? He had the spark then, but some of these other people, they they haven't hit their stride yet. Right. So daily, I see guys like you're talking about 
I can see them, they start to hit their stride. Maybe their sophomore year or their junior year, and some even, it takes their senior year that they hit their stride and there's that spark that you spoke of. And I have some friends who coach in the NFL and they continue to say to me, oh no, man, I'm telling you, we got some guys here. They haven't had the spark. They haven't hit it yet. We still are looking for the spark. This guy's a multimillionaire and he has not hit his stride yet. And so it's, it's really cool as a coach to be able to chase that in, in young men and women to be able to chase that spark for you to see it, you know, for you to see them realize that moment when all the work that coaches along the way have put in and now he finally yeah. hit, you know. Think about freshman year, you know, they won't even talk to you. Students won't even yeah. talk to you freshman year. And it's yeah. funny to watch that growth and then right. They'll talk your head off by the time they're senior and they're talking about all these different things. And right. I mean, that's one of the best parts about being on campus to me is kind of watching that growth. Right. And, and you see it, you know, all the time. So my final question, what advice would you give young Keith Gill if you could talk to him today? Yeah, well, I would read more books when I was younger. So I would read a lot more. Um, I would write a lot more. I just want to be a better writer and um, just some kind of core skills. Um, I, I would I would listen. You know, I mean, I, I think uh, my mom is the is the greatest lady in the world, and I, and I, I certainly, I mean, I listen to her a lot, but I would listen to her more, and I would just not be as much of a know it all as I was when I was younger. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I just think some of those basic things. I mean, for the most part, I was a I was a good kid, and, and I did what my parents told me to do. Um, but you know, I was a little little bit of a know-it-all. So, but I, I would read more. I mean, I, I just think you can't read enough. I don't think you can write enough. I think those core basic skills will set you up. Learn how to think. Learn how to read. Learn how to write. And um, so I would do that more than than I did. And um, and and I would listen a lot more. I mean, I just, right. You know, I just think those those you do those four things and and you'll develop and, and grow and learn at a rate that is um, probably a little faster than most. Right. Well, Keith, I, I, I really do, man. I really do appreciate your time and having the opportunity to learn from you, to grow from you. I think it means a lot. It means a lot to me, but I think it means a lot to young coaches and young administrators. I said earlier, it's, it's been really, it's really been amazing. Uh, been very, um, insightful to be able to learn from some of the people that we have but but it's really also been cool like to get some of the responses when people go on and they I'm a coach right I'm a coach. I, I gotta work on game plans and I gotta coach my players but you know to have the experience to be able to listen and learn from from leaders uh, who are bit uh, who are really versed in the things that inspire me, right? Leadership and growing programs and, and grabbing hold to, to, to young people and teaching them and training them, but then also directing adults within your program. Those things really uh, inspire me and they drive me. So to have the opportunity to listen to people like you and learn from people like you uh, has been an amazing experience. And I appreciate you for, for giving your time uh, because it's 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 going to help somebody. It's already helped me. 
but it's going to help a lot of other people along the way as well.